If talking about new travel destinations or discovering the latest travel gadgets gets your heart racing just like mine, well then, you are in the right place. Hello there, I'm Katrina Rountree and welcome to another episode of Journeys to Come, our podcast about the wonders of travel, a place where we share memories from recent trips and we dream about upcoming adventures. So get your passports ready and join me for Journeys to Come. Hello and welcome to Journeys to Come Solo Travellers Podcast. So nice to have your company today. What we're having a chat about is the booming market of solo travel. Now, this isn't just because there's nearly one and a half million people aged between 40 to 69 who are living on their own, but also I'm a bit of a solo traveller, I'm married, but sometimes my husband, because of his work, he can't always come with me. My father-in-law, he loves traveling on his own without his wife because his interests are different to hers. So it appeals to many, many people. But to find out more, we have two wonderful experts joining us now. Ken Morgan, he's the owner of Two's A Crowd and also Diane Squires is one of the hosts of Two's A Crowd. Ken, if I could just start with you, tell us, who is the solo traveller? Well, they vary so much and, and just based on your introduction, there's some great examples where most of our travellers are um, single people, but there are many who are in a relationship and their, their partner may not necessarily share a passion for a particular destination or may not share a passion for, um, for travelling at all. So we've got many of our clients who, uh, who've decided, uh, well, I'm not going to be uh, held back by uh, someone who's got a different interest. I'm going to actually get out there and see the world. So um, for as many destinations as there are, there are equally as many different types of solo travellers. I know that both you and Diana are passionate travellers. Why did you go one step further and create your company? Well, many years ago I was I moved back into, well not that many, probably seven years ago I moved back into travel and um, I took over a, a suburban retail travel business, pretty typical sort of walk-in travel business and, and many of our clients of that business were in fact uh, solo travellers and we really struggled to find um, tours and product that was um, really suited for solo travellers and particularly had you know, low, lower single supplements because that's one thing solo travellers do get uh, a little concerned about is paying you know, pretty high solo uh, single mm, supplements to mm. travel by themselves. So um, we felt the solution to that to that problem was to actually make our own product and, and we started to create specific tours within our business for solo travellers and over the years um, that became most of our business and two years ago we closed our whole business and now all we do is solo travel. So with Two's a Crowd, tell us some of your most popular journeys. Uh, well, I think our number one journey each year is Vietnam, Vietnam, Cambodia. Really? Yep, yep. And I, there's four or five reasons for that. One is it's, uh, it's a cheap destination to go to and be in. Uh, the food is great, people are friendly, it's safe. I mean, you don't generally hear about anything happening in Vietnam that's not that not uh, not uh, positive, but that is positive. Everything's positive that happens there. Mm. Um, and it's not that far from Australia. So it's not a 20, 20 hour flight to, to get there, it's only eight hours. So we would have um, over 50 or 60 people go to Vietnam every year. And um, our tours book out, we do four or five groups a year, they book out every year. So that's probably our, and, and for many solo travellers, Vietnam, Cambodia is a good sort of toe in the water to mm. sort of test out the wings. Um, and we've found that uh, this, in fact, coming up soon, I'm hosting a group and we've got people there that I met on Vietnam, Cambodia four years ago. 
they're now doing their fifth and sixth journey. So what would be the difference taking a, a Tusa crowd or, or one of your solo journeys um, to say going there on your own or, or even going as a, as a group tour, what makes your company different? Yeah, so if, um, if you're a solo traveller and you booked on a, a standard uh, group tour, you'd typically be travelling with mostly other couples and families. Um, their group sizes can be up to 30 or 40 people. So mm -hmm. with those sort of numbers, um, it's a bit of a military operation to, to move groups that size around. So um, for our business, we keep our groups uh, quite small, so typically 14 or 15 people. Um, but the important thing is we never ask people to share a room with a stranger. So everyone gets their own room. Oh, right. Um, so I figure once you've got to 40 plus, um, you're pretty much over the um, uh, Contiki tour um, and uh, sleeping in a dorm with uh, five other people. So um, everyone gets their own room or if they're travelling on a ship with us, they get their own cabin. Um, the, there's only solo travellers on the tour. Um, so there's no couples, no families. It's all just our own group. Um, so in a way, everyone's in the, in the same boat. Everyone is equal. There is no table for one. Um, and there is no, um, um, I guess there's no loneliness, if you like. You know, mm. If you're traveling on a group by yourself, I mean, I remember a client saying years ago that if, even if I got a cheap cabin on a ship, I would find it a pretty lonely experience stepping on board with two and a half thousand people I didn't know. Mm. So with this way, and because we host our tours, um, the hosts, one of their uh, roles is to actually knit the group together very early on. So we find after a few days, people have made new friends and the group sets off in a very positive way. Speaking of hosts, we've got Diane Squires here. Now, Di, um, we're talking about people that, that, that are passionate travellers but maybe don't want to feel lonely. For you as a host, who do you find are the sort of people that, that you travel with? It can really vary. So we have people who often they're first-time travellers, so they might travel with us and they've never travelled anywhere before and it's this really beautiful feeling taking someone who's never travelled feels completely out of their comfort zone and you watch them evolve through that journey both emotionally physically and and spiritually I guess on the on the trip so they they can start out not even knowing how to catch a local train mm. and by the end of the That's tour normal. they feel confident they, they they have their wings I guess um, but then equally we get travelers who have traveled quite a lot some who have traveled with us previously it's lovely when you ha do have people on tours who have actually traveled together before didn't know they were coming on this tour together but have met somewhere else in the world previously and mm. now they meet meet up again on one of our tours so you get all ends of the spectrum I guess I'm just going to ask straight out is this an older versions Contiki tour and I love Contiki tours <laughs> by the way <laughs> it's definitely not <laughs> although we have had the odd match up along the way Ew, but yeah, you know but we don't, it's not like that. It's not like that. We don't we don't pitch it that way. But it, it certainly we do create friendships, I guess, along the way. So a lot of people will come on our tours, and I guess the very nature of the tour that you select to do mm. gives you something in common with the other people on that tour. So if you go to Canada and Alaska, or if you go to um, Vietnam and Cambodia, you're self-selecting a particular kind of tour and a particular thing that you're interested in, and everybody else on that tour obviously has that same interest. So you suddenly have common ground immediately mm. and friendships develop from that. What do you find is, um, is the reason behind this market now really, really taking off? Why is it happening now? I think people are um, realising that they can't 
you can't sit around forever and mm. wait to see if you you know if someone's going to be able to travel with you or, or not. Um, and I think people now do travel more, just generally speaking. The, the airfares have become cheaper. The world has become smaller. We know more about the world around us. So people generally feel more inclined to travel. If you don't know anyone to travel with, what do you do? If no one wants to travel with you, if you don't have any single friends, if you don't have any coupled friends who are prepared to travel with you, what do you, what do, you do? And I think joining a tour is a great way to kind of start that travel experience and also we make it easy for you, right? Mm. You come travelling with us, you don't have to worry about what time you have to be anywhere, we're there to help you through every step of the way. Mm. So I think that's really appealing to a lot of travellers as well. While you're listening, why not add some travel to your inbox? Sign up for my weekly travel updates at journeystocome.com. What are your tips for solo travellers? If, if you're not really happy travelling independently, join a tour group. So get on a tour group um, and go to a destination that is not that far away. So stay in the region and just dip your toe in the water and get used to a new culture, get used to a new currency, and also get used to just learning learning some key phrases in a new language. Mm. I mean, just some, some basic, which way is the toilet? Um, how can I change some currency? Where is my hotel? Can I get a taxi? Really simple stuff. Um, the other tip that I'd give people is don't overpack. I've seen clients who arrive on our tours and they have... This is me. They have a Jayco expander. <laughs> and uh, it is just incredible. They're sort of like travelling like Diana Ross. And, um, <laughs> oh, have you seen my suitcase? <laughs> <laughs> but you've got to carry it around for, you know, two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. And, um, and I know people think they need lots of wardrobe choice, but I challenge people when they get back to do an inventory how much they mm. actually... Um, other simple thing is, if you're arriving into a country, arrive during daylight hours. Don't arrive late at night. Um, airports, whether they're safe or not, and most airports are safe, but it's a pretty scary thing to arrive at a, a, a relatively empty airport with your suitcase, looking for a transfer or a taxi, um, and if there's no one to call in the middle of the night, arrive during the day, it's really easy. Um, and the other tip that I would give people is a lot of people um, walk around with you know their nice watches on, they've, they've packed their nice jewellery. Don't. Just leave mm. your jewellery, leave the bling, leave the tiaras, leave the nice watches, leave them in. If you're going to take them with you, leave them in the safe. Don't tempt thieves because it'll just mean you could get injured in the process of, of losing stuff. But equally, they're sometimes sentimental and valuable. You don't want to lose them. I always say, don't take away anything you'd be upset to lose. Yeah. What were you going to say? Yeah, I've, uh, a couple of other things I'd recommend. One is there's some really great travel apps out there that give you directions. So rather than getting to your destination and having to unfold a map every time you're in a new city, which kind of makes you a target, put some, download one onto your phone. Um, Cities to Go is a great one, or uh, GPS My City, and they will. You can use them offline, so you can just call up your map. You can call up where you need to be, and you can just follow that. And everyone has smartphones wherever you go, mm. so you don't look so out of out of place. Yeah. And the other one I would suggest, if you're not doing a tour, do a do little tours within the town that you're going to. So do a cooking tour in Italy, or yeah. do a um, a walking tour, you know, in in Mexico, maybe a. Um, a mezcal tequila tour or something in Mexico, and that way you get to interact with other with other travellers as well. Who yeah, knows who on, you might on, who on, you might meet, uh, and it, it just gives you that interac interaction with other people at the start. I know that you've got some tips for when you're dining alone in a restaurant. Is that right? Always take a book. Always take a book. 
take a pill, mm. take a journal. I um I had a friend recently travelling on her own, so I grabbed her journal off her and wrote down questions for her to, to answer while she was in the while she was on her own anytime, so she wouldn't feel uncomfortable about being anywhere. Take your phone, so you've got something there, security that doesn't make you feel like everyone's looking at you for being on your own. And sit in the part of the restaurant where you can see everything, and it's yep. a relatively central point. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing I mentioned too is uh, a lot of people really insist on taking their passport with them when they leave the hotel. I yeah. want to make sure that's safe and that's a document you don't want to lose. So um, our tip for all of our travellers is unless there is a legal requirement that you carry it, um, if, the, if the local country says you must have it with you for ID, sure, carry it with you. But if you don't need to carry it, leave it in the safe because um, that's, one, that's one piece of paper you don't want to lose because there's lots and lots of process to go get a replacement passport if you're in a foreign country. That's interesting and sometimes a driver's licence can be better than Absolutely. a passport and, and uh, equally acceptable. I know we were recently filming uh, at the Eiffel Tower and my cameraman um, was asked the documentation or the, the, the photographic evidence um, for us to be able to film there and he said, I never ever take my passport outside of my hotel room. I always do. That I, I agree with what you're saying and he could have got away with just the driver's licence. Mm. Um, now I mentioned before the places that uh, are popular or ask the question. I was reading a story recently, uh, a travel writer said that she broke a rule going to the Maldives where she went there on her own because normally it's just full of lovers and honeymooners. I, I should add she did have a lovely time when she went there. Are there certain places that you won't go to? Um. There's probably nothing on our list at the moment that, um, I mean, there's obviously some, some, some countries that are you know, challenged in terms of security generally, whether, whether you're male or female, it doesn't matter. Um, I think, I mean, we're hosting a tour this week to Iran, so it's, uh, and that's a, it's a new destination for us. Um, but I think um, in, in terms of any destination, it's really about making sure you understand and respect the local customs because mm -hmm. they will be quite different to, to what we have here. So. You know, for Iran, for example, all of our clients have very comprehensive notes about you know what to wear, particularly what to wear. Um, there's no alcohol consumed for the entire 17 days, which will be a really challenge. interesting challenge. You can't like take it in in your luggage, or well, you can, but you might then come out. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> well, it's it's not it's not something you want to be caught with. Um, so it's dry July and September. <laughs> Let's chat about Iran because that's probably the one trip off the top of my head that I would love to do. I would absolutely love to go there. And for insurance reasons, when I um, the, the opportunity came up with Getaway, I couldn't do it, sadly. So this is something I would sign up for. Uh, how well has that been received for you? And tell us a little bit about that journey. Well, I was quite surprised. We, we um, I've, I have a, a personal interest in Iran. I've always um, seen that as a destination I'd like to go to. And we just included as a, as a very simple PS at the bottom of one of our newsletters saying if anyone's interested in, in Iran, we're thinking about doing a tour. And within a few days, we had um, quite a few phone calls of people saying, please send us the itinerary. When the itinerary was done, um, we sold out half the tour in a couple of weeks. It was, it was really an amazing response. And um, so the tour, we've got 14 uh, people going. Mm -hmm. And um, it's, it's a really nice size group. Um, and so we're staying, we're sticking in, in central Iran, so we're going to, uh, I mean, I see Iran as really one great big museum, you know, there's so many UNESCO heritage listed sites, um, so we're staying in the, in the main uh, central part of Iran, keeping away from all the borders, um, and a few days in Tehran, then we head out of town, so it's, it's very much an off the beaten track tour, but um, 
is an accessible country. I mean, you can get a visa on arrival in Iran. You don't even need to pre-apply. Um, what is tourism like in Iran? Booming. Yeah, really? It's booming, okay. yeah. And uh, for, for Iranians, they see that as their, as their next um, economic growth um, uh, generation for them. So um, we, we use a local supplier who specialises only in Iran. So, um, and he is he's an Iranian uh, Iranian guy, and um, and he he can't put on enough tours. It really? is one. Of, it is the it is almost the most popular destination for many people in 20, 2017, 2018. Well, Ken, at to Come, we expect a full review. Thank Fantastic. you. Can you please keep notes for Done. us? Thank you. Diane, I've got to ask you, how do you get to be a host? With a lot of luck, I think, <laughs> is, the, uh, is the key. My background is actually in corporate communications and public relations um, and journalism. And um, I took a gap year from, from work, kind of corporate dropout, I guess. Um, and during that time, I was fortunate enough to meet Ken and he needed some new tour hosts. Now, I should say that um, I'm an avid traveller, so yeah. it wasn't like... Ken just, you know, met me and thought, yeah, you know, you, you seem okay. Um, I travel a lot. I write about travel. I'm very passionate about travelling and about helping people travel and, and seeing the world. So um, when Ken had some openings and, and we met, I think it kind of seemed like it could work. So he agreed to give me a go. He let me go to Canada on my first, oh, on right. my Canada, first trip right. and uh, that seemed to go okay. So he's let me do a few more since. Be honest, as a host, what are the challenges that you find amongst the solo travellers? You'd be like their mum. You are like your mum. You sometimes feel like you're on school excursion, I'll be honest. Um, but uh, uh, as I say, you, you meet people that, you know, they're seeing everything new. Um, I, I kind of expect that I'll pop, mm -hmm. people will probably have a bit of a meltdown at some point on the tour only because they're completely out of their comfort zone and you are there to help them through that and to help them realise that, that that's normal, that that's okay, that we all get overwhelmed by travel at some point and to, to help ensure that if it, if it happens to them that it's not going to affect the rest of the group and that the rest of the mm. group is still going to gel. Um, it, it is a, a you know, you, you are bringing a group together and sometimes these group, these people are from all over Australia, sometimes they're from other parts of the world, they all come together, they meet in country, they're out of their comfort zone and they've got to get to know all these new people. Um, so bringing them all together and making sure no one's left out, no one's feeling uncomfortable, really kind of monitoring how people are feeling throughout the trip, mm. I guess that's, that's, that's quite a challenge. And making sure that the, the speed of the tour isn't too fast, too slow, but that it's just right for most of the group. And if people are feeling uncomfortable, that they know they can come and tell me and we can see what we can do to help them. You are good, Ken, well done. <laughs> I know that with Two's a Crowd, you guys go absolutely everywhere, all sorts of different places, but as a passionate traveller, I mm. must ask you, where are your favourite locations? Mm, that's tough for me. That's really tough because every time I go somewhere new, this is my new favourite place. Yeah. And if you, you know, if you, um, on Twitter and, and Instagram, Facebook, every time I put something on there, this is my favourite place. So earlier this year, you I should did have got no some credibility. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. This is her favourite place as well. Earlier this year, I did South America with Tusa Crowd, and so one of my favourites there was Mexico. I just loved it. It was really um, different. Well, I don't know what I expected, but it was just so interesting, so amazing. I mean, how can you not love a place that has dancing in the city square, right? Mm. Everyone's sombering. It's just beautiful. But 
one of my absolute favourites is Laveau in Switzerland. I just love it. It's beautiful. It's nestled between Montreux and Lausanne on the banks of Lake Geneva, wine growing region. It's just spectacular. Mm. Okay, well, I think we've wet enough appetites. <laughs> they're wet. <laughs> they're, they're wet. They want it really wet. <laughs> I suppose just, just wrapping things up, what, what is your final piece of advice that you've discovered amongst who's a crowd that you can advise people who are thinking about taking one of these trips on their own? Just get out and see the world. And um, if, if you're nervous about any particular issues or have questions, ask. Mm -hmm. you know, whether it's us or whether another tour provider, most tour companies are full of information and most people worry about things that a lot of other people are worrying about as well. So the questions they're asking have all been asked before and all been answered before. So. I mean, in a way, our business is about confidence. And, um, and if someone travels with us and then goes out and sees the world by themselves, for us, that's got a job done. Mm -hmm. Well, Ken and Diane, thank you so much for joining us from Tusa Crowd and getting behind solo travel. It's the way of the future. Indeed. Thanks very much, Katrina. Thanks, Katrina. Want more travel in your day? Well then, join us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Just search for Journeys to Come and follow us. And while you're there, hey, how about you share your own travel pics and stories with the hashtag Journeys to Come. Well, we've been chatting today about solo travel and of course we've had the owner of Choose a Crowd, Ken Morgan, joining us as well as one of Choose a Crowd's host, Diane Squires, but I thought, well, we have to talk to a solo traveller as well. So here we have chatting to Natalie Greenfield, who joins us on the phone. Technology is amazing. <laughs> Natalie's just got herself home from work, and, and she's in Sydney, and she's an absolutely passionate traveller. She's always had that passion for travel, but it really was only at about the age of 40 that she had the courage to travel as a solo traveller. She works to travel, works hard, stays even harder. So let's have a chat now. Hello, Natalie, how are you? I'm great, thanks, Katrina, how are you? I'm really good. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm intrigued because I know that solo travel is an absolutely booming market. So I'm just curious, what does solo travel mean to you, Natalie? It's so much about taking the opportunity or grabbing the opportunity to take time out from my normal life mm. like I just have no responsibility I'm on an adventure and I don't necessarily have a timetable I can just do and have as much fun and, and adventure as I like but big thing is around the independence of it all yeah I, um, I was just intrigued I, I know that you've always loved travel but but it wasn't until you were around about the age of 40 that you went I'm going to do this what 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 kicked into gear for you well, the funny thing is, I really wanted to. I loved the TV series Sex in the City, and yes, I really wanted to go and do the tour around New York. And yeah, the bus tour. Was that the bus tour? I've done that. Tour, yes. yes. Right. So when I hit forty, I'm like, I would really like to go and do that, but had never had the courage to get up and travel by myself. And I'm like, okay, now I'm forty. Mm. Um, put on your big girl's pants. Lots of people do it. You can do it too. And I just started to research a little bit about it, got talking to so many other people that had done solo travel. But you know what? I can just book in and go, and I did that. Absolutely terrified, but it was the best, most empowering experience I've ever had. Talk us through so, it. Why was that the case? Why did you enjoy it? So, obviously, because the Sex and City Tour was fantastic, but attached <laughs> to that was 
the whole I ended up booking an entire trip of eastern Canada, eastern New, uh, eastern US. So which ended in New York, which allowed me to do the actual tour I wanted to do. But everything else that I did saw, smelt, felt like just the whole atmosphere of being, you know, in other parts of the world was just incredible. Meeting so many different people, just having a great time. Did you feel safe? I felt safe always. I was with a group, which I had not met. I just essentially booked online and was told meet us at LA airport and we'll take it from there, which yeah. I did. And um, the funny thing was, given it was the first time I'd ever travelled on my own, my friend dropped me off at um, Sydney airport for my yes. flight and I walked in the doors and it said um, the flight was cancelled. And I was like, okay. oh, no, there's a sign. I shouldn't be doing this. I'm like, no, I'll still do this. And I still, still got through it. So it was the first obstacle straight off on my own. And... Do you know what? It wasn't an obstacle at all. Now that I've been doing it for seven years, you can absolutely overcome anything and everything that comes your way when you're travelling. There's oh, always, always somebody to help. There's always help. And you don't realise that until you're out there This is the joy of travel. It. This is the gift that travel has given to you. So now yes. that you've done that trip, tell us about some of your other journeys. What other ones do you recommend? Oh, wow. Okay. Africa, absolutely. <laughs> we, we, we're not, we don't have all day, by the way, Natalie. <laughs> Well, my favourite, so Africa, um, Iceland, Greenland, the, the Caribbean. My most recent one with Di was Peru, Bolivia and Ecuador and the Galapagos Islands. And um, the Kimberley here in Australia, I did that last year. That was fabulous. Um, oh, how wonderful. I'm intrigued about yeah. Greenland. Why, why do you say Greenland? Oh, that, do you know what? That's been my favourite and purely because it was so... I only went to one place, which was Alulasat. But Ilula Sat. Okay, yes. I, I couldn't even spell it for you. I double L I S U A T maybe. <laughs> I've um, got no idea. I've never been to Greenland, so I'm oh genuinely interested why that was your favourite. It was not a lot there, but the absolute pure beauty. I was there in the summer yet um I like to keep fit when I travel and I got up mm. this morning. Went for a run on this. I just got on this road. I just knew that it headed towards the airport and it wasn't that far away. I thought I'll just follow the coastline. Mm. And and it was just icebergs everywhere. And to be running with the sunshine out, icebergs just there, just crystal clear. I I don't know. It was the most grateful and the most gratitude I've ever had, I think, in terms of travel and feeling so privileged that I could be there and experience that. Oh. Hard to explain, but it was just an incredible feeling. I've, I've never forgotten it. You should be a getaway reporter, Natalie. Oh, I'm happy to. <laughs> Where do I sign? <laughs> just keep talking is what my advice is. <laughs> the way that you're speaking, it 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 says to me that you're the sort of person that obviously you love to, to dream about your next journey, but is that right to say that, that you love to work so that you can go on these wonderful adventures? Absolutely, that's what gets me out of bed every day to get off to work is where's my next trip? Yeah, absolutely. So what would be your advice to to people who are solo travellers for whatever reason? I, I was saying that often I'll go on trips because my husband's work is unpredictable, my father-in-law's interests are different to his wife's interests, so he often does a lot of solo travel. Solo travellers, it's, it's, it's a broad title. What's your advice to those who are thinking about taking a trip on their own? 
Oh, absolutely do it. And even if they have that fear, just know that just about everybody for their first time, I mean, they're going into new territory. They don't know what to expect. All they know is and often focus on all the bad things that might be happening in the world. And to be perfectly honest, once you get out there, it's so much better than the bad things. Mm. And to know that it doesn't matter what problem they come up against, there is always help and they will always get through it. They can manage whatever happens because people have managed it before. Mm. Mm. And, you know, it's, it's not new. Once you get to whatever country, there's always someone there to help, always. You can Natalie. work a lot of it. Yeah. Oh, no, keep, no, no, keep going. <laughs> no, I was going to say, a lot of it is about your own self-confidence and knowing that you can get out there and you can do it. It's not that hard. That's really where... And it's, I learned it's that interesting myself. That, yes, it, it sounds like it took that first trip at 40 for you yes. to be able to truly come into your own. Absolutely, it did. And not only did it give me confidence around traveling but in so many other areas of your life you think well I can do that I traveled the other side of the world and I climbed that mountain and did that trek and I got lost here and I found my way back that confidence you bring back into your everyday life Natalie for Prime Minister is what I'm thinking right now <laughs> that's hilarious <laughs> Natalie I've got to ask you one last question before before we wrap things up tell us where are you dreaming about going to next have you booked something new what's what's up next for you I haven't booked, but I'm close to. I'm just undecided. It's either India and Sri Lanka yeah, or two. the Camino Trail in Spain. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Genuinely <laughs> tough choices. All are amazing, are amazing. Yes. Um, I'm going to leave you with that because I wouldn't be able to decide either. You're probably actually asking the wrong person because I'm like, just do them all, actually. Well, I tend to do them all, absolutely. But yeah, just deciding which one. That's usually my biggest decision. Where do I go next? Well, that is something that a lot of people that follow Journeys to Come share with you, and it's a wonderful conundrum to have. Natalie Grenfell, we are, are very proud of you, and thank, thank you. you for chatting us, chatting to us today about, about solo travel. Great to chat. You're welcome. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Journeys to Come. If you want any more information on the places that we visited or the people we spoke to, then visit our website, journeystocome.com, for full details.